you desire to attend Bible college or seminary, but know that it would be incredibly difficult to uproot your family and move somewhere? Maybe you desire to attend seminary, but you don't want to leave your local congregation. Let me tell you about my seminary, Whitfield Theological Seminary. Whitfield is a conservative, confessional, classical, reformed seminary who wants to come alongside congregations and assist them in raising up a pastor. The training of a minister should be done alongside of a congregation. Whitfield offers online classes so that you can fulfill your calling without having to move your family or abandon your church. Go check them out at www.reformed.info. That is www.reformed.info. Tell them you heard about them on The Daily Brew. We at The Daily Brew take the Bible and the study of it very seriously. Have you ever wondered where we or our special guests go when we want to dive into God's Word more deeply? We go to Logos, the best Bible software available. From in-depth word studies in the original languages to commentaries from scholars, both new and old. There are lexicons and grammars and sermons and collected works of heroes of the faith. And even ancient texts for the serious Bible students. Never before has so many great tools been bundled together into one software. To learn more about this incredible ministry, call 888-390-7341. That's 888-390-7341. While you're there, go ahead and tell them that you heard about this incredible software on The Daily Brew. Listen up, Daily Brew subscribers and listeners. I want to tell you about our newest partner, Audio Blocks and Video Blocks. They're an incredible resource if you're looking for background footage, background audio. We use them for all our video and audio uh, needs. If you're needing background clips, if you're needing short footage for any video that you're making for your business or your church, or just looking for background noises for putting something together, they have everything you need, a huge selection. You have to go check them out. Go check them out at audioblocks.com or videoblocks.com. Are you looking for something fun to do on these hot summer days? Are you looking for something fun for the whole family? Go check out Ripley's Aquarium in the Smokies. This has been rated the number one aquarium in the country. If you're looking to waddle with the penguins or sleep with the sharks, this is the place for you. For an up-close view, check out their glass-bottom boat. Ripley's Aquarium in the Smokies has something for the whole family. For more information, go to ripleyaquariums.com. You are busy. You are always on the go. But are you making time for you? The Y is dedicated to helping you stay active, live better, and find the best possible version of you. From basketball courts to functional training space, indoor pools, and yoga studios, the best of Knoxville is right in your backyard. Group classes and personal trainers that will challenge and encourage you. The Y has something for everyone. Join the Y and get unlimited access to all five locations. From the heart of downtown Knoxville to Farragut and Halls, all with no contracts. For a better us.
This is The Daily Brew. This is The Daily Group. I'm your host, Adam Hall, and I have a special guest with me, Alex. Alex is a dear friend back from Boys College. Uh, he is now pastoring up in Michigan. I want to say Michigan. It is Metro Detroit, Michigan. Man, how is the weather up there, by the way? It is uh, a balmy 19 degrees. Ooh, painful. Yeah. So Alex and I are dear friends from uh, Boys College. We went there together. He has gone on to do doctoral work in biblical theology. We both uh, have a passion for... Uh, seeing Christ in the Old Testament, and uh, we're starting a new series uh, where we're going to be going through each of the books of the Old Testament and just looking at um, how how do we see Christ in the Old Testament. And I think a good place to start there before we dive into Genesis is, the thing about this is that uh, Christ is ro- walking on the road to Emmaus, um, and he's resurrected, he's walking with the disciples, the disciples don't know who he is yet. Uh, he has not revealed that to him or opened their eyes to see that. And he, then he shows himself in all of Scripture, how all Scripture points to him and testifies to him. Um, another good example of this is Paul in 1 Corinthians 10. Uh, he is talking about uh, the Exodus events, and he says, when they went through the cloud, uh, when they when the rock was struck, when they went through, I'm sorry, when they followed the cloud, when the rock was struck, when they went through the waters, um, this is all about Jesus. They drank of Christ. So the Exodus is about Jesus Jesus tells us all of Scripture is about Jesus. So if we want to faithfully understand the Old Testament, we need to see it through the lens of Christ. Um, I know Alex is uh, one of the guys who's influenced him, a mentor of his, and and mine as well. He always used to tell me in preaching that if Christ did not have to be resurrected in order for your sermon to be preached, you need to start over. Uh, Amen. Amen. He also told me that uh, another good quote he says is, but you can say amen to your sermon. You're not being faithful to the text. So mm-hmm. um, our goal today is to look at Genesis. Uh, we'll kind of go and just piggyback on some of the main stories um, and thinking about how this leads us to Christ and how this points us to Christ. And I'll start off with the first one, and then you can jump in anytime you want as well. But um, as soon as Adam and Eve sin, um, they're getting ready to be kicked out of the garden, but God doesn't leave them there without hope. He gave them two commands to be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth and then to work and keep the garden. And uh, they were unfaithful to that task. They disobeyed the Lord, and so they're kicked out, and then the curses reflect directly upon this thing. So now being fruitful multiplying is more difficult, and now working and keeping the land is more difficult. So uh, there's now labor pains, and now there is, by the sweat of the brow, we'll do this work. Well, God doesn't leave them there without hope. And uh, one of the first instances we see of the hope of Christ is in Genesis 3.15. And this is kind of the beginning point of uh, of the hope of Christ. We're starting to see they're kicked out of the garden. It's not very long after we see the promise of Christ, that one day the seed of Eve is going to uh, come and they're going to crush the head of the serpent and uh, fix the sin issue. And then you start to see this uh, this head-crushing motif, uh, if you want to call it that, throughout the yeah. Old Testament. Uh, um, yeah, so it's, it's I would say almost everywhere. You see it with David and Goliath. You see it's... Uh, um, just it, it's prominent throughout. And Paul says uh, in Romans sixteen nineteen that uh, God is soon going to crush uh, the head, head of Satan under our feet. Mm. Um, so there's this uh, theme of head crushing motifs throughout everywhere uh, in the Old Testament. So, and then um, where do you want to go next uh, from there? From uh, or where do you see from that point on? I think you could argue from Noah. What are your thoughts? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, let me say uh, first of all that you're spot on. Like when I'm when I'm reading my Bible in Old Testament, even the New Testament, preaching my Bible, Genesis three fifteen really almost kind of governs the story uh, from the sense that you know Anthony Holcomb, he's probably quoting someone else, but he he calls it the mother promise of the Bible. Um, you know, the, the, the seed of the woman is going to crush the head of the serpent. And so I'm, I'm with you 100 on that. And I will add, too, just even before that, you know, when we look at Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, the creation account, obviously the theme of creation, new creation, that, um, that, that flows through the Scripture beginning in Genesis 1, Noah, you see coming off the ark into a type of new creation, um, you know, all the way through the Old Testament to where you co- you come to John chapter one and and John is recapitulating the words of Genesis oh, and one and uh, and and saying saying it's about Jesus yeah yeah and, and two like piggybacking on the the Noah part I think it's interesting um, so as soon as you you go from uh, Cain and Abel and Seth the one who seems the line that's going to follow through the line of the hope of the Messiah is going to follow through. Yeah. Uh, as soon as you have him, the very next story is the story of Noah and sin fills the whole earth. So then God does this act of decreation, uh, mm. destroys the entire earth. And then uh, Noah, Lamech names, uh, Lamech is Noah's father. Lamech names Noah. His name literally means the one who's going to deliver us from the seed of, uh, or from, I'm sorry, from the curse of the ground. So he believes that he's going to be the one, if, uh, just like we talked about earlier, that, that curse mm. that, uh, now working and keeping the land can be difficult. So Lamech names his son. He possibly thinks he may be the Messiah, the one who's going to deliver us from this curse. So is, is Noah going to be that promised one? Uh, Stephen Dempster, before, before the call, uh, um, Alex and I were talking about uh, Stephen Dempster. He has a great book, Dominion and Dynasty. And one of the mm. quotes from it that heavily influenced me early on made me kind of see the, the connections between Noah and Adam is uh, he says, just as Adam fell by the fruit of the tree, Noah falls by the fruit of the vine. That's uh, right. So as soon as he gets off the boat, he sets up an altar and he worships, and it looks like he's going to be faithful. He's given the same command to be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. The goal is that the whole earth would be filled with God's glory, yet he's unfaithful. Um, you see Shem, Ham, and Japheth has been, uh, all three of them are involved in a curse against Noah, um, Noah then cursed, um, or a, a sin against Noah, I'm sorry, then Noah curses them because of his drunkenness. And uh, shortly thereafter, uh, we're left with the same dilemma. Where is this promised Messiah going to come from? And then after Noah, uh, we hear the, the story of Babel. And I'm going to let you pick up on Abraham, but you hear the story of Babel where um, the people are seeking to make a name for themselves. Uh, so they build this tower. They think that they can reach the heavens and the people all around are going to come and hear about them. And then uh, because of their sin, God separates their language, and now they're all confused, and they depart. They sought to make a name for themselves. In the next chapter, we'll hear about Abraham, and God says, I'm going to make your name great because of your faith. Mm. So tell us about Abraham. Yeah, and you know what's interesting? Bruce Waltke does this in his commentaries, and I'm sure lots of lots of uh, um, theologians and commentators do this, where really they divide the book of Genesis you know, chapters 1 through 11, and then chapters 12 through 50. And really we have kind of the prehistory and then the history uh, of Israel. And Abraham really is the turning point there um, after all of these global events. You know, Adam and Eve, the head of humanity, and uh, Noah, and the worldwide flood, and Babel, and the scattering of the nations. Now you have the focus really 
uh, zoom down in into one man where there's going to be uh, one family and then the whole rest of the, the story of the Old Testament is the story of this man and his family, a man who was uh, old and childless. Uh, his wife, Sarah, was barren. They were uh, elderly, and God calls them out of um, idolatry. Literally, um, you know, Tim Keller says that, that Abraham was worshiping the moon, uh, that, they, that they worshiped uh, a moon god, and God calls them out and shows them the stars and says, I'm, I'm the true God. And I'm I'm going to uh, to make a great nation of you. And I, I think for me, uh, Adam, I like I I can become so familiar with the Bible because I was raised in church and I went to Bible college and I went to seminary and and like so the story of Abraham is a little too familiar sometimes. You know, I just I know I know the what the flannel graph looks like or or mm. whatever. And and so I don't think about how shocking this was. This man leaving. Uh, not only every, the religion he's known, uh, but his family and, and h- him and his wife in their elderly years. Um, th- this is a this is a radical statement, you know, that Yahweh is making to him that he's going to not just have a, a child, but that look at the stars, like that's your that's your family, that's your future, and um, and that promise of of a child, you know, the seed promise. A, a promise of land, um, you know, uh, but you can hear it harken back, like what you said about the curses to Adam and Eve. Uh, God is, is is telling Abraham those curses they're going to be uh, they're going to be unraveled in you in your family. Uh, Genesis twelve, you know, the beginning of Genesis twelve when when the Lord calls him out and makes those promises. So you can see almost like okay, here's a new Adam. He's going to come into a new land, and uh, we will see that Abraham will fail, that he's, he's but a shadow or but a type. But you can see a progression of story there, like you said with, with Noah, uh, fulfillment and yet still longing. Amen. I think it's interesting, too, the transition with Abraham, where Adam and Eve and Noah are all given the command, be fruitful, multiply, be fruitful, multiply, and that, that kind of yeah. resonates. And then by the time you come to Abraham, because of his faith, there's a transition. No longer is it a command to Abraham that God tells him, I am going to be doing this task. I am going to make you fruitful. I am going to multiply you. I think it's a good reminder that um, every time we see the law kind of mentioned throughout Scripture is that man is falling short of it. Uh, In the Mosaic Law, they say, we will surely keep the Ten Commandments. We will surely Mm -hmm. do this. Well, man's unable to do it. So what happens? God himself comes down and does the action for him. I mean, it's a great picture of the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, another uh, example in this, and I um, actually heard this once uh, from a scholar at Southern Seminary, which is kind of, uh, it kind of shocked me when I heard it. Um, I was in a Sunday school class, and this, this teacher was teaching on uh, Abraham and Isaac, and he was talking about how the, the focus uh, of Abraham and Isaac, we need to get from that, or the lesson we need to learn from Abraham and Isaac, is the focus is that we need to have faith like Abraham. And I'm like, I'm not sure that's a good interpretation of this. Like, I'm not sure God's calling us to sacrifice our children. Obviously, Abraham has faith, but the, the focus of Abraham and Isaac is not, hey, let's have faith like Abraham, let's be like Abraham. But the focus in the story of Abraham and Isaac is God's promise is promised to Abraham that the nations will be blessed and his seed can be as numerous as the stars. And now he is told to go and sacrifice Isaac, and God's already promised him it's going to come through Isaac. This blessing is going to do it. So somehow or another, this promise is going to be fulfilled. Abraham doesn't know. He still uh, has faith in the Lord. He trusts the Lord's word, so it's not just a radical faith. 
to trust in God's word. And then God provides him a substitute. A ram gets caught in the bush. And now we see a picture of substitutionary atonement, uh, a great picture of the gospel that uh, uh, Abraham's getting ready to, to be punished, getting ready to be put to death, and God provides a substitute. That substitute ram has been put to death, and Isaac is set free. I mean, that's our story. That's the picture of the gospel. Amen. Yeah, and, so, and, and uh, well, not to interrupt you, man, but like you said, no, that, that seems already, you know, Adam and Eve's sin, the Lord uh, covers them in the garment, you know, the, the 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 fur of an animal, which is implying that the animal died, so that the Lord can do that. Noah comes off the the ark and he builds an altar and he worships. I mean, you and like Abraham and Isaac, this theme, the, the substitutionary atonement theme, that's already been traced, at, which is you know kind of reaches a, a climax uh, initially with Abraham and Isaac. But yeah, yeah, dude, amen to that. Then shortly thereafter, just so I can see if we can piggyback this all the way into Joseph here, uh, you get from Isaac, you then have uh, one of Isaac's uh, children. He has Jacob and Esau, mm-hmm. uh, almost like the same story of Cain and Abel. It's like repeating uh, Genesis uh, or repeating the original garden story there. And then from Jacob, Jacob uh, has this dream. Uh, this dream is that the angels are ascending and descending upon uh, this ladder. And John picks up that once again. He starts off talking about Genesis uh, and John 1 saying, in the beginning, he's picking up the same creation theme. And then Jesus says uh, he is that ladder. He's the one that uh, uh, this ladder that reaches into heaven and that angels are ascending and descending upon him. Uh, He is the way into heaven. He is the the true way that if we put our faith and trust in him, um, salvation then is accomplished. We get to, to go up this ladder that is ascending upon Christ. Um, so you, you see that with, with Jacob, and even with his name changing, I think it's another p- good picture of uh, how our, our identity from Jacob to uh, changes from Jacob to Israel, how mm-hmm. our identity has changed as well. When we put our faith and trust in Jesus, we're no longer Simon, we're now Peter. We're no longer mm-hmm. Saul, but we're now Paul. We're given mm-hmm. a new identity. We're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, Amen. With those as well, uh, then you have Joseph. Uh, Joseph is one of the first uh, prophets in Scripture. Um, I think in the Garden of Eden you see a theme that uh, before the fall, man could freely talk with God, um, and then sin separates uh, man from God, and now uh, we only have visions, dreams, uh, and, and prophecies where he speaks to us. Every so often he would speak verbally to people. Uh, Moses would be an example of that. Joseph would be an example of that. But uh, because of him, his entire people uh, is saved. And once again, uh, so all of Israel is saved through the incorporation. And we also see the nations are being blessed through Joseph as well. Um, when he goes down into Egypt and saves them from a great famine. So we're starting to see a small fulfillment of the promises to Abraham. So all over Genesis, uh, you start to see uh, this hope and this longing for the Messiah. And we're starting to see small glimpses of Jesus in that, so that uh, it's a book that, uh, although it begins the Bible, it's a book that uh, testifies and screams out and longs for the coming Messiah, and then now that we see and he has come, uh, we can now view it through the lens of the cross, and it uh, it changes everything. Yeah, and you know what, buddy, you were talking about, you know, that Sunday school class you were in where the guy said that the, that the, that the, uh, the point is that you should have faith like Abraham. I had... Uh, at Southern Seminary in my doctoral work, there are a lot of, it's pretty split between Christ-centered hermeneutic guys, and there's a lot of, um, you know, grammatical, historical only kind of guys, like, like don't read Jesus back in unless the New Testament explicitly 
tells you to. And so it's interesting when you mentioned Joseph, a, a huge chunk of Genesis is dedicated uh, to Joseph, you know, in comparison to a lot of other stories. And I would even hear guys say, well, the New Testament doesn't explicitly say that Joseph is a type of Christ. And that is just crazy to me. Everything you just said about Joseph's life, about Joseph's uh, redemption, about everything that he went through, you know, in his in his preaching book, Tim Keller has all these different ways that you can find Jesus in the Old Testament. And the last one is my favorite, where he says, you know, sometimes you just ha- can't help but see him. You know, as hard as you try not to see Jesus in these stories and what these people are doing, it's you just can't help. And man, I feel like with Joseph, everything you said, you just can't help but see Jesus. Yeah, through his whole life and ministry, there's just so many allusions back to his death. Um, absolutely. Amen. Yeah. So, Alex, it has been a joy to have you on. We will have you on uh, many more times as we uh, go through this series. Thank you so much for taking time to do this, brother. Thanks, man. It was a blast. And when can we, or where can we hear more of your preaching and teaching? Yes, uh, your church have a website we can go to. We do. We're, we're Christ Community Church in Sterling Heights, Michigan, so it's ChristComChurch.org. Amen. So you definitely want to check him out, uh, and he will... Uh, Imagine that if you listen to his Old Testament sermons, you will hear Christ preached in each one of those. So uh, amen to that. Well, thank you, brother. Thank you, man.